Footballers' Lives with Richard Lenton is brought to you by the Phoenix Sport and Media Group. Hello and welcome to Footballers' Lives. Rod Wallace was part of a Southampton front three alongside Matt Letizia and Alan Shearer in the late 1980s, a period that earned him a life-changing move to Leeds United, who of course went on to win the last ever Old First Division title in 1992, just pipping Alex Ferguson's Manchester United. He went on to start for Glasgow Rangers, winning the domestic treble in his first season. He also scored a memorable Scottish Cup final winning goal against bitter rival Celtic. Hamstring injuries curtailed a fabulous career and here he pulls no punches, particularly when it comes to talking about his former manager, Howard Wilkinson. Enjoy. Rod, thank you very much indeed for joining us. Now, English football fans can be pretty oblivious of what's going on north of the border, right? But I didn't realise how big a hero you were at Glasgow Rangers until I saw some footage the other day of you going back there for a game and being absolutely mobbed by fans. You must absolutely love going back up there. Yeah, well, the, the, the last game I went up there was um, against Braga in the European uh, Cup that they're, that they're still in. And I haven't been up there for good, maybe... 10 years before that. So it's nice to go up. It's nice to go up and uh, see a few of the old old people there, you know, and just had a good time. Yeah. And you, and you signed on a Bosman, didn't you, from Leeds? I think it was the summer of 1998, one of quite a few changes. But what made you decide to leave Leeds and choose Glasgow Rangers? What was the big pull? I think my time had come at, at Leeds. I'd been there for like seven years, which I had a great time there, great club. But I think for me to kick on and do what I wanted to do I think I needed that move and that move was at the end of the contract and it happened to be the the Bosman era at that time so uh, I took advantage of that and um, I heard uh, Rangers were were interested and I'd obviously played well I was I was one of the subs when we played in the Battle of Britain you know in the uh, in the Champions League game up in Glasgow when I was there I thought oh that's great I mean, the, the actual atmosphere was unbelievable. You, you couldn't believe how loud it was there. And they were like a, you know, a 12th player. Uh, and it's a fantastic game as well. So, yeah, it was from that time, really, I thought, oh, there's a chance of something. If, if it ever came along, it'd be a chance of me maybe going up to, to Glasgow or whatever, or, in, or Scotland, and um, try my trade up there. So when they came in, I said, yeah, no problem. What other options were on the table? Who else came in for you in that summer of '98? I think Middlesbrough was one of the teams. Uh, Brian Robson was manager at the time, and um, I I actually went over to to uh, Middlesbrough just to have a look at the ground and whatnot. And it didn't really have that feel for me. Brian Robson was great. He was he was a nice guy, and uh, I think it was Gibson. I don't know if Gibson's still there, but Gibson was the chairman at the time. He seemed like a nice fellow as well, but it just didn't have that feel for me. You know, being being at Leeds was. For seven years, I was I was used to, I would say a nice, <laughs> nicer place than Middlesbrough for me. Um, so yeah, the, the actual place wasn't uh, wasn't the best. So I I turned that one down. I, I didn't want to go there. Yeah, I suppose you needed a bigger change as well. I suppose Middlesbrough's not too far from Leeds, and um, and like yeah. think once you've experienced what that football is like in Glasgow, you know, you'd, you'd was that the only time you'd been involved in a game, either playing in a game. At Ibrox, or even going up there to watch a game. 
Uh, no, we had pre-seasons up there before in Scotland. Mm, I think it was when George Graham was a uh, manager. We, uh, yeah, we played uh, against Hibernian, I think it was, in the pre-season game. And that was one of the uh, games after the Battle of Britain. So, um, so not, too ma- not too many games up there. No. Not too many games but, at all, no. But I suppose it's instilled in you straight away when you arrive and you sign for Glasgow Rangers, how important it is you know, for that part of the city and how big the rivalry is with Celtic. Are you, are you told straight away to avoid certain places and certain people? For the majority of players out there, they have to be, have to be wary of going into places that, <laughs> that are on the other side, let's say. But once I was in at Rangers, it was just a massive club anyway. I knew, I knew it was a massive club. So I knew from beforehand that, you know, I was going into a great club which with, with a great history. So my game was always going to be stepped up from that point because I had to because I was, you know, I was a new player and going into new signings as well at the time with um, the changeover that they had with uh, Dick Advocat and and uh, the new players that were coming in. I knew I had to step up anyway. So yeah, well, he came in Dick Advocat, didn't he? And it, it, big reputation. Uh, what was he like as a guy, and and what was the training like under Dick? Yeah, I, I I really liked him. Um, he was the, he was probably the best manager that I played for. Uh, tactic wise, he he was clued in to the final detail really, and um, but he was strict. He was he was really strict. Uh, it was a bit of a shock to the system when um, when they first got there because everyone had to get in for breakfast and then uh, we have our training uh, and basically we have lunch together. He was quite strict. We couldn't eat. Until he said, um, "Enjoy your meal." So he was on the table. All the meals there in front of us. He's there at the top of the table, and um, one of his rules was, he, "You can't eat until <laughs> until he's uh, until he said it. Until he said, enjoy your meal.'" So uh, yeah, that was a bit of a shock. But it was it was a great it was a great time for us because uh, we all knew uh, most of the players there was all new. Um, so it was a it was a good time to for everyone to settle in. That sounds like a bit of a power trip, doesn't it? You can't eat until I tell you. Yeah, well, that's that's what it was. I never had that before in my life. Uh, so uh, yeah, it was a bit. It was a bit of a, It was a bit different, but I enjoyed it. I didn't mind it at all. And Celtic had just won the title, hadn't they? So and you had a load of new players. I think it was eight or nine new signings. So you had to hit the ground running as a team, mm. but also as an individual. And you scored four goals in your first four games. So that must have just been such a weight off your mind. And and did that? Did scoring on the pitch help you settle into Glasgow life off the pitch as well? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, um, I came, I came to, uh, I went to Ibrox uh, a bit later on in the pre-season as well, so I missed most of their pre-season. So um, I had to get myself fit when I was uh, when I went there. Uh, so I knew, as I said, I, I knew that I had to, I had to, once I had the chance, I had to make sure that I took it. And um, in the first game, I think it was against Hearts, uh, was the first first away game um, for Rangers. And I managed to score in that game. So um, from that point onwards, it was just it was just like a ball, you know. It's just like it just went even better for me after that. So I couldn't really grumble on that side. Yeah, lots That's of it, players there. Uh, you actually mm. lost that game to Hearts, but one of very few blips really during that season. How oh, did we lose it? I think you lost that game too. One away from home. I'm sure I just saw that on soccer base. So oh, I have to, to have a look at that. I remember I scored anyway. Well, that's all. That's what strikers are all about, Rod. As long as you're <laughs> <a> monkeys. <laughs> oh, 
dear. So, I t- uh, so the fans would have taken to you straight away then, I take it? Yeah, I mean, it's fine. I never had, never had a problem out there um, with the fans or anything. So, yeah, and that start was a good start. And then you went on to score 27 goals in the campaign, domestic mm. treble, and yeah. you secured the title at Celtic Park for the first mm. time ever with a 3-0 win. I think it's fair to say, I was watching the highlights again earlier, it was a pretty eventful day, wasn't it? You set up a goal, I think it was for Neil McCann. We had pitch yeah. invasions. We had a fan falling from the top of the stand and being stretched out. We had Hugh yeah. Dallas, the referee, being punched and cut quite badly on his head. It was a stone. Yeah, no, it was a, it was a coin, I think he had. A coin. Yeah, yeah. Probably pocketed it, you know. Let's let's get some shows <laughs> out there. My job at Yorkshireman should be saying that. And then Hugh yeah. Dallas sent you off for very little, from what I could see. What do you remember of that? Oh my god, I, I couldn't believe it. I, I, I mean, it, I, I keep telling people if they ever see that, see that little clip of that game, see the shock on my face, I couldn't believe it. It was just, <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's an unbelievable game. Uh, and to win the title there as well, it was just what dreams are made of, really. Uh, you know, going to your, your biggest rivals and everything else that happened along the way as well. It's just, oh, you just couldn't make it up. It's just it was just on a different level. I mean, there was there was all sorts of trouble before and after the game, no doubt. It was just one of those days where we obviously had to get the result, and that's what we did. Uh, it was just unbelievable. You, you never forget games like that. Presumably, you still had some core Glasgow lads in there, uh, Rangers lads. Were they telling you before the game how big it was that no Rangers team had ever won the title at Parkhead? Who who were those Glasgow characters in the dressing room? I don't think we needed to be uh, told how big that game was. It was just like, uh, it was just, yeah, everyone knew. I mean, it was near enough. To, it was the, it was at the end of the season anyway. So we got through a few games with Celtic along the way anyway. Um, the boys that were there, Gordon, Gordon Drury, uh, Barry Ferguson was only a young pup, but he was he was an up and coming player at the time, which was he was he was fantastic. Uh, Ferguson in Ferguson. Uh, Scott Wilson. There was a there was there was a there was a little core of Scottish players there at the time, um, but they were all fantastic guys. And it was just uh, we had never had any problems with the with the the guys up there. So yeah, they told us all about it. And the kit man as well. The kit man, uh, Jimmy Bell, he's, he's a legend. Um, he's part of the woodwork. And I saw him um, when they went out there for the Braga game, and it, it was it was lovely seeing him as well. But um, yeah, uh, all the boys, all the boys, you know. They were out for it. Do you all stay in touch? Because you speak to some players now and again, like the, the Wimbledon lads are still on a crazy gang WhatsApp group. Are you still on a WhatsApp group with the lads from Glasgow Rangers? I'm, I'm actually on it, but I don't really, I don't really um, go on it too much. Um, I'm more in touch with um, Michael Miles, uh, Arthur Newman and Giovanni Bronkhurst. Uh, I'm, I'm more in touch with those guys. We did, a, we did um, an event out there. Or uh, Arthur's Arthur's got a five-star events company going on where he has players go and do a after-dinner speak, uh, you know, question and answer thing and sign autographs and all that sort of thing. Um, so I did that last year uh, with um, Michael, Gio, and Arthur. And we had a great time. Good, good catch up. Oh, I bet yeah. And going back to that day, you weren't given the trophy to celebrate with at Parkhead, which was probably wise. I think it would have been all <laughs> kicking off left, right and centre. But where did you get the trophy and when did you get your medals? We would have, we would have got that back at the um, back at Ibrox, I think it was. I, I can't remember, really remember. We, we always used to, after the uh, 
some of the games, we always we did uh, have um, fans at the ground, and we was in the ground um, celebrating with them. But the trophy, I can't remember when we got the trophy on that one. Mm. But uh, it wasn't long after when you got to the Scottish Cup final, obviously, and you scored the only goal of the game. As a, as a single yeah. moment in time, was that the most special moment of your career, do you think? I mean, oh, definitely one of them. To be in the Cup final in Scotland in my first season uh, was always going to be a great one anyway. But to, to, to play against Celtic, uh, to score the goal, and uh, to, to get the Cup... Um, yeah, it, it's up there, mate. It's up there with the, with the best. Can't really um, say it wasn't because it was massive for me, massive for my family, and massive for Rangers as well. So, and to complete the trouble with that, it's just you know you can't beat that. You can't beat that sort, sort of stuff. It's no. just amazing. No, absolutely not. And you know you'd had such a good season, then you had a cracking second season as well. You scored a lot, load of goals. But how on earth did you manage to score a hat trick of headers against Motherwell? How does that happen? Fella, <laughs> your size. <laughs> Hey, hey, fellow my size, mate. I uh, I practiced heading when I was at at Southampton. It wasn't it wasn't like I didn't like heading or anything. It was just you know I practiced it and you know when there's when the chance came I took it. So heading was never a problem for me. But you weren't having yeah. to out leap six foot five defenders then. It was sne- you know sneaky little in the right place kind of headers. I take it. Hey, that's the best way to be, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you don't go up against six foot six foot fellas and try and win it when you're five foot seven or eight. Yeah, you've got to get away. <laughs> you got to do it. You got to get in the spaces. Like you got to use your brain a little bit. Exactly. So, <laughs> did, did you feel like you were going to be at Rangers for a long time to come? At that stage, not really. No, I mean, at the end of it, it was just another time that I needed to go. I mean, um, but I just had a another child at that time, and why? would have wanted to go back down south anyway so it was just a time really and three years I was three great years up there couldn't really grumble with, with um, what happened so it was just a time it's just you know you, you move on yeah so just finally on, on Glasgow Rangers then you weren't phased out there was no falling out with a manager or anything because you didn't play anywhere near as much in that third season did you no there's a there's a well, there's a few injuries, and obviously, with a club like Rangers, you're going to bring new players in anyway. Um, but there was a few injuries that kind of held me back a bit, little bit. It's usually like the, the, the usual with what I had at, during my career was the hamstring injuries, and um, you know, once once you pick up one hamstring injury in in the season, it can it can take take your confidence a little bit, and if you're picking it up again and again and again, it's just kills you off so yeah there was a few injuries um in that last season that kind of took its toll on on that so that 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 maybe made my decision as well because I went as you said I went playing as much uh in that final season so it it was just just another added thing for for me to go really Hmm. okay well let's let's rewind all the way back to the beginning or the beginning of your uh football time anyway you say time for Southampton in 87, yeah. obviously following in the footsteps of your big brother Danny, who was already in England international at that stage. Um, your other brother, uh, brother Ray was also there. So 1988, how special was it when all three of you lined up at the Delegate Sheffield Wednesday? It was one of our proudest moments um, as a family. You know, just three players, I mean, three brothers, basically, uh, who broke a record as far as I was concerned. I mean, three brothers in the top flight of English football. 
uh, playing in the same team. Unfortunately, we lost, but uh, my mum and dad were there. It was it was a it was one of our proudest moments as a family. I mean, the, the crowd at the end of it were uh, singing. There's only one Mrs. Wallace, so that was that was a <laughs> that was um yeah, it, it was a good feeling that day. But we we lost. So that was the only problem. Yeah, but it was the first yeah. time, like you said, that three brothers had played in soft flight games together. So an incredible yeah. achievement, like you say, for Mrs. Wallace and 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 for the family. I'll tell you what, yeah. looking back, it was some team that Chris Nicholl had put together there in the late 80s. You were playing up front with Matt Letizia and Alan Shearer in a front three. That's ridiculous. Yeah, no, it's, um, well, we'd grown up together as well because we was all schoolboys together. Um, me, Matt, and um, me, Matt and uh, Alan. Uh, Franny Benali was there at the time as well and uh, Jason Dodds. Um, so we all grew up together. Um, and we had it, we, we did. We had, a, we had a great team. Chris Nicholl was was a was a nice guy he basically with the players that he had we had a lot of freedom um so it was me as you said it was me matt and um alan alan was a spearhead obviously with uh with the goals that he came through i mean with his first first couple of games he scored a hat-trick against arsenal and that was it but he was he was on the roller coaster from then he was just like you know just going upwards um and matt was just fantastic he's one of the best players that i played with Lagarde, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I didn't realise you played schoolboy football with those two lads as well. So was yeah. it was it very clear to see? And 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 at what age are you looking at your your shearers and and Matt? let's start with Shearer. At what age are you looking at Shearer and thinking he's going to be a top top number nine? From fourteen when we met, <laughs> it's just unbelievable. Goal scoring wise, he was just you know you couldn't beat him, and he was he was strong, he was powerful. Um, he did left foot mine, but he had a great header and a right foot. He's he's now he's one of the best finishers that I uh, played with. But with Shearer, was it almost like that kind of archetypal men against boys situation as fourteen-year-olds? Did he just seem to be that much more developed? Yeah, well, strength-wise, he was he was stronger than most of us, um, and he had the technique as well. I mean, I don't know if you. You've managed to watch Shearer in detail, but even from a young age, he was always backing into defenders and trying to turn them. And, you know, he wasn't the fastest guy, but he could hold the ball up. And that's where we relied on him at that age. And all through his career, he, um, people relied on him to hold the ball up and score goals. So technique-wise, he had it from that age. I knew, I knew he'd, he'd make it from that point. And he always seemed to be such a driven footballer. Uh, and I suppose a lot of people have levelled the exact opposite at Matt Letizier. I mean, were, were they incredibly different characters? Could you tell that one of them was driven and, and one of them was incredibly laid back and, you know, would, would maybe go on to have that kind of one-club career that he did, Matt? Uh, yeah, well, I was, I was always surprised that Matt stayed at Southampton. Um, obviously, he could have gone. I think it was Tottenham or Chelsea, one of those teams. Um, when he was younger, he could have gone there. Um, but yeah, I mean, Matt was always settled at Southampton, and they they probably looked after him, so he didn't he didn't really feel the need to go. Obviously, so but for Shears, he he was always driven. Uh, he always wanted to to be the top scorer. He always wanted to be the best. Uh, uh, whatever he did, he always wanted to be. A, the best at it so yeah from that from, from a young age you could you could definitely tell um with those guys what their personalities were hmm. 
Yeah. I mean, Matt was always laid back anyway, so. Yeah. 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 I can imagine him as a, as a schoolboy footballer. Did he, did he do, you know, very little in terms of physical exertion, just rely totally on his, uh, on his skill level? Well, I think the majority of the obviously was his skill level. I mean, he didn't really have to run. He, you know, he couldn't run that fast anyway, so <laughs> he didn't have to. Uh, he didn't have to exert himself too much. But if he did work, I mean, the boys would tell him. But it's just whether he's uh, he was bothered about it or not, or whether he scored like two or three goals and he said, "No, <laughs> I'm not going to bother with that." Yeah, and then you can get away yeah. with it because it'll Yeah, that's it. Yeah, exactly. Oh. But he could get away with it. He he was fantastic. I loved him. Helps you get a nice win bonus. I had, I had a good, I had a good relationship with him on the pitch, as yeah. as I did with Shears. Uh, yeah, I mean we did connect quite well when we so, played together. So yeah, as a front three, yeah, I mean it must have been devastating yeah. when you when you were all kind of on fire. And then Matt, yeah, Matt only went on to win eight England caps. But how do you look back on your own England career? Because it was eleven games for the under twenty ones, one game for the B mm. team. Did you ever make a full squad? Yeah, I did. I did make it, but. Unfortunately, my hamstrings uh, weren't having it. So, um, I, yeah, I was playing at Man United, uh, Leeds, Leeds v Man United. No, Manchester v Leeds. I was playing. Uh, I just got called up from England and um, my hamstring went in the first half. That was the first time my hamstring had ever, ever gone. And basically after that, never got, never got a, um, a look in after that. And what period would that have been? Would that have been Graham Taylor, early 90s? Yeah, yeah, it was 92, I think it was. Right, so that kind of uh, in and around the time when you when you won that league title, and yeah. obviously yeah. you won that league title with Leeds. So that that nineteen ninety one move to Leeds, absolutely life changing. What? Why did yeah. you go to Leeds, and how did Howard Wilkinson sell the club to you? Well, again at Southampton, uh, I'd gone from being a schoolboy up to twenty one. So from fourteen up to twenty one, I was I was at Southampton. So. Again, I needed a change. I need. I, wa- I wanted to go and you know achieve a, f- a few things, which which happened to be with Leeds. Um, Howard Wilkinson. I didn't really have too much contact with Howard Wilkinson at that start. It was just that they were interested in in signing, and I went up there because they were a bigger club. And that was the summer of 1991, and you went yeah. on the title that season. But just in terms of the pre-season in that summer of 91. Could you tell that the team as a whole had the character and the quality to have a real go at the title? Yeah, of course. I mean, they their first season back up, they finished fourth of it, I think it was. Um, and when I was at Southampton, we played at Ellen Road and um, you could feel the atmosphere again. I mean, it was fantastic. Once, once they came in and those guys were there, I said, yeah, I'll, I'll come up. Did it did it start falling into place from the get go that season? Did you hit the ground running? Uh, well, pre season was fine. Didn't have a problem with pre season, um, but during the season at the start, it was a bit difficult. I didn't really score too many in the first like two. Yeah, might might be more than that. Maybe five or six games or something. I have to have a look. Um, but yeah, the goals weren't coming at the time and. Um, I was the record signing at the time, 1.6 million or something like that. And, um, you know, you get the user in the papers where you're flopping and all that sort of stuff. Uh, and then I got injured. Um, and I tore my uh, adapter muscle and had a hernia after that. 
So I missed a few games and then I came back and then um, I had my first goal against uh, QPR or Everton, one of those. I'll have to have a look, but yeah. Uh, and then it, it kind of spurred me on after that, from that first goal. You know, goals always give you confidence, so it just went on from there, really. And then that's obviously when you formed that partnership with Lee Chapman. Why, why do you think that particular partnership worked? Uh, well, he's he was the main main striker, and I just tried to work off him basically. Yeah, I was I was on the wing in my first few games, and then um, after I came back from injury, it was more as a support striker for Chappers. So yeah, it just it just clicked really. It was, it was, it was a I would say basic big centre forward who tried to hold up the ball and do whatever, and he scored a few goals for Leeds. So it was um, it was a good combination. And he was an incredibly brave bloke, wasn't he? Because I remember him playing against Tottenham and he yeah. got absolutely not cold. And then he had to have almost his face reconstructed, didn't he? Uh, the skin on his face was pulled up and then yeah. pulled back down again. And he was playing again in no time. Yeah, he had, his, he had that sort of face mask thing on, I think it was, for, for a few uh, few games or whatnot. But yeah, he was, he was, I used to remember him at some point during that time. He got on a right. Yeah. It was fine. And did was that Leeds team really together then? Did you all socialise together off the pitch as well? Yeah, I mean we had little breaks abroad and all that sort of stuff. We was always we was always together in that time. Um, but the boys were were great. Well, I'm on definitely definitely on the WhatsApp with those guys. So we got like a Leeds United WhatsApp ex boys, and uh, yeah, I'm on that one. We we had a game not too long ago uh, before the lockdown uh, where we all. Well, not all of us, but we had a, a good get-together with some of the guys. We had a meal and watched the game. Like, we had a great time up there. And you all you all get together. Because I was going to ask you, um, he's just come to me, actually, David Batty. I mean, he's yeah. gone completely off-grid, hasn't he? And people always used to say that he never really liked football. He just used to be good at it. So is, is it true he just used to be the first out of training? By the time you finish your training session, he's already gone home. You know, he was that kind of player, was he? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's... Yeah, everyone loved him. Everyone loved him. It's just like a big shock that no one's really seen him. I think the last time he was, well, I saw him at Ellen Road was when uh, Speedo, uh, they had a little memorial thing for Speedo. Um, That's the last time that I saw him uh, at Ellen Road. And that's a few years gone by now. And even before that, I didn't see him. Yeah, that's, That's a fantastic player. There's quite a few little myths kicking around about David Batty. I mean, you know, people used to say oh, he, he gets paid in cash, you know, stuff like that. It was, <laughs> surely that was true. <laughs> I don't know about that, mate. I don't know. You, you might have to, if you could ever find it, you might have to ask him. I did actually see, uh, we did, um, you know, a uh, 10 second clap for uh, the NHS, and um, the guy that was organising managed to get uh, bats on there. I couldn't believe it. It's just like, what? How did you do that? So, yeah, that, that was the. Um, that's the last time I've seen him, really. I might have to try and get a documentary commissioned, Finding David Batty, I think. Uh... Yeah, that'd be good. I mean, he's like he likes his motorcycles. Okay. He's always been known for his uh, motorcycles, so he's, uh, he's big on that. So uh, that might be your best place to get him. I'll get a couple of Hells Angels down. And <laughs> Harley Davidson's. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you also had a certain... Um, Eric Cantona coming during that title-winning season. Bit of a strange yeah. signing, looking back. But what what was he like, and was he kind of not particularly suited to Howard Wilkinson Leeds? 
not suited to Aud Wilkerson, I would say. Um, <laughs> uh, Eric Eric had his had a great aura about him. Um, even then, I mean, he did speak a lot of English back then, but on the pitch, uh, he he showed he showed a lot of people, and and at that time, a lot of people at least loved him. But obviously, Wilkinson, anyone that went up against him, weren't going to be lasting there too long um, because it was Sergeant Major Wilco and all that sort of stuff, and he had a front to like live up to. So I think they had a little bit of a clash, and then he left. Right. Okay. So you weren't privy <laughs> to what you weren't privy to what happened then. Uh, no. Nah. No. Nah, I just yeah. Eric, he wasn't even getting the side, wasn't he? But what what was he like yeah. as a bloke, Cantona, as a bloke, man to man? He was fine. He was he was he was fine. I mean, we didn't have too many socials with with that sh- with Eric actually. Um, he was a newcomer to the team halfway through the season, so didn't have that much contact with him, but. When he was in the changing rooms, he was fine. When he was on the pitch, he was fine. But I liked him. I didn't mind him. Yeah, I, I was just thinking, if you were playing for a different team with a different style of play, that a partnership with him would have been uh, quite good fun for you. Yeah, I mean, you could when you when you played well. The games that we did have on there, I mean, you, you could you could tell they had quality. Um, there was no there's no uh, dispute in that. It was just you know finding the right role for him, no doubt. And that's what they did at Man U with him, you know. Uh, Wilkinson would have been more rigid, I would have thought, with some of the players that he had there. Or, you know, we had to play in a certain way. But at Man United, you saw what he did there. But that Leeds team certainly worked, didn't it? And, it, you know, you look back now, yeah. fantastic midfield and, you know, who, who provided plenty of service for you. But the, the following season was a weird one, wasn't it? Because you couldn't win a game away from home all season. You weren't that far off going down. Yeah. I think egos got the better of a few people. I mean, there was, there was, you know, there was always a shout that the the great midfield won the title and all that sort of stuff. I don't think that's that's really fair or right um, because it was a whole team that won that title. It went just like the um, it wasn't the uh, the midfield four or whatever, and um, that's a little bit of a gripe for me. But I mean, this the season after, yeah, there was a few egos that thought they were better than what they actually were in that time. And that, that, that goes for the manager as well. So, yeah, we had big problems in that season. We didn't win an away game. The home the home situation kept us there. I mean, the crowd, <laughs> obviously, you, you have to play for that crowd because if you don't play for that crowd, you, then you know about it pretty soon. For us to get the results at home and the way we played away, it was, it was, it was a good thing we got the results at home. Absolutely, it wasn't. Do you think that's the only reason then egos coming into play that that Leeds team didn't kick on and win more, or do you think uh, recruitment, for instance, w- was an issue? What, why do you think they didn't win any more trophies in that era that you played in? I don't know. I mean, we I think we signed Rocky that that season. Dave Rocastle. I can't remember any other major major signings that that year. Maybe there wasn't enough. There weren't, there weren't enough spaces yeah. coming in. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, well, possibly. Other than other than Rocky, any other major faces? Yeah, I mean, Strachan was was coming to the end of it at that point, so that's why Rocky was brought in. But Strachan was just holding on to his position, I think, at that time, and it was difficult for for Rocky to get, to get in. But yeah, maybe maybe you're right. Uh, maybe there weren't enough top signings at that season. But, yeah, uh, we struggled. 
were you always happy at Leeds, or, or towards the end were you thinking, "Crikey, I, I need to get, I need to get out of here now"? Was, how do you feel about the rest of your time at Leeds? I always had um I always had a good time up there. I mean, with the players that we that I managed to play with up there it was it was always fantastic. But the injuries um kinda of held me back. Um hamstring injuries uh was always a big uh negative for me and that kind of that kind of held me back to do what I wanted to do, you know. But the majority of the time it was it was fine. The the only downer was that we didn't win against um is it Aston Villa in the league? I'm, I'm, I'm gutted we didn't win the, the league cup against uh, Aston Villa. Yeah, uh, I think it was '95. I think no, '96. '96 that uh, league cup final. We got to the like semi-finals around the semi-finals times, and uh, we got dropped after that. I got dropped. Brian Dean got dropped for that game. And, and yeah, who who started up front in the final then? Because I remember the game against Villa and it, and, and Leeds just didn't turn up. It was such no. a good performance. Yeboah was up front. Uh, a guy called Andy Gray, but Yeboah and um, Andy Gray played instead of um, instead of you Dino. You and Dino, yeah. yeah. And and was that yeah? And that that must have been a moment when you thought, crikey, hang on a minute, being dropped for a final that must have been devastating. Yeah, yeah, it was. I mean, me and um, a guy called. I don't know if you remember Phil Masinga. He's he's passed away now. Yes, yeah, uh, Phil Masinga. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We was in the um, we was in the stands. He's having a few drinks up in. The <laughs> oh, so you didn't even make the bench? No, no, no. It's totally dropped. Totally dropped. And um, yeah, so he he had a problem with me, me and Dino at the time, Wilkinson. Uh, so he totally dropped me, and Dino was on the on the bench. So um, when Dino was warming up for his. Um, I don't know if you've seen it, but when Dino was warming up for for his uh, for him to go on, um, me and Phil were waving at him. We was like, obviously we we've had a few drinks and whatnot. He's <laughs> just taking the spiker out of him. Oh, that's funny. I can remember that. And then on the on the train journey back, we was obviously still drinking, and that was that was an experience. That was we was just like singing most of it after the defeat. Yeah. Yeah, after the defeat, yeah, it was just like with um, Wilkinson as well, because uh, he got um, he got he was sacked after that. I don't think he lasted too long after that. And on the train, we were saying Wilkinson's got to go. You were singing it, and he could hear you. Yeah, he was down at the bottom. The players were yeah. singing Wilkinson's got to go. How many more would join oh, in? It, it would have been only me and Phil, I would have thought, because we were the ones who was lashed. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, so yeah, um, so it's um, but none of the other players, the, none of the other players were telling you to keep quiet, and they so there would have been probably probably agreeing with you some of them, but not daring. Oh to no, they, they couldn't have said anything to us at that point. No chance, mate. So what? What? Why did the relationship with Wilkinson break down then? Because obviously you won the t- you helped him win the title back in the day. Uh, yeah, as I said, I mean egos, and I think he was under a lot of pressure at that time as well. But it was a, it was a game before before that cup. Oh, it might have been just after um, where I was I was um, I was training, you know, for 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 the game in the week and whatnot. And the uh, I knew it was coming. I knew it was gonna he was gonna drop me again. Um, he so he picked the team. No one involved. I was I was told to come in. I was I was like one of the subs. I was told to come in, but I, I refused to go in. I didn't go in for one of the games. So yeah, so after that point, it was just you know 
he had to go, I had to go, and I think they sacked him. And then that gave you a fresh start with a new manager. I think was it George yeah. who came in next? Yeah, with, with George. Yeah, with George Graham. Yeah, I, I like George. George George Graham was a he was a good manager. He gave us a little bit of freedom. And at the time when he came, he brought in Jimmy Floyd, which was another great signing uh, for Leeds at the time. And because pe- people will think that George Graham and Howard Wilkinson are like two peas in a pod, very similar. But you say George no. gave you a bit more freedom, and yeah, yeah, George was George was. Um, George was a proper manager for me. For me personally, he was a proper manager. I mean, he got he got on well with most of his players. There'd, there'd be other players that that would say he wasn't that good, but I, I actually liked uh, George Graham because he came to the club under a real cloud, didn't he? Because he'd just been uh, banned from football yeah. for God knows how long for taking bongs. So, I mean, what was the talk like in the dressing room before he came? Were you surprised that he was coming? I weren't really bothered because Al Wilkerson had. Um, departed so it was whoever came in the next one I had a chance to basically you know show him what I could do and get on with my career with Leeds um, so it could have been anyone really I just managed to uh, to like um, George Graham yeah anyone but Wilkinson yeah I'm with you <laughs> at that time yeah at that time now we've talked about your successful career at Rangers that followed Leeds after that you came back you had a spell at Bolton. You scored on your debut against Blackburn, their local rivals. But did that yeah. end up being the highlight of your time there? Keeping them up was a highlight. Yeah, no uh, good point. Yeah, I mean, how, how yeah. difficult is that then? Going from a club like Rangers, where you're in the mix for winning things all the time, to fighting a relegation battle, it's a different mindset, surely. Well, yeah, yeah, to be. I mean, they had, um, they had Colin Hendry, though, who I was with at Rangers for for the first year. So I knew um, I knew him, and then there were young players like Kevin Nolan and uh, Ricketts. Ricketts was there. Dean Holdsworth was there. So they had, they had um, quite a good mix of players there. A um, bit of experience and new. So it wasn't a problem settling in uh, because I, I obviously got there late uh, in the season. So um, it was just a matter of again, just trying to help out as much as I could. And because everyone everyone was expecting them to get relegated anyway. Yeah, yeah, sure. And what was it like then playing under Big Sam? What was he like as a manager? Um, Management-wise, he was fine. Tactic-wise, I wouldn't say he was a Mourinho or anything like that. It was just, you know, or Arsenal Wenger. Or, yeah, t- um, player, player management-wise, he's he's fine. He, he got on with all his players um, without a problem. Um, but it's just tactics, he went, you know. And when you say that, do you mean that he only had one way of playing? Yeah, he had the big man up front. and But he had some, he had some good players there. So I don't know why he actually stuck to that kind of system. So yeah, that's, that's, that was kind of his template at that time, uh, mm. to stick the big man up. And um, yeah, we'll work around him. Yeah. So I remember him saying a few years ago that he should have been in the mix for jobs at like Real Madrid or whatever. So you must have had a little <laughs> smile. Who said that? I think he was saying stuff like that himself. You know, he was saying <laughs> like, with the record that I've got, you know, I should be, uh, what could I do at teams like Real Madrid? But are you saying he's so tactically kind of one, one pace that he would struggle? He was when I was with him. And... <laughs> You always read about his dossiers and his sports science. Was was that? Did you notice that side of it that he was bringing? Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, because that was a, that was more in depth 
um, than we had at Rangers. We never had, we did we didn't have that kind of like in depth like data or whatever, you know, looking into players and we had manuals and all that sort of stuff. When I got, I was only there like nine months. Yeah, so that was really good. That was like he had his eyes open to that sort of thing, so he was always open to it, which mm. was which was a good thing. And from that point, it's just gone on. They had ProZone and all that sort of, sort of stuff when uh, they started when I started there. Yeah, so that was that was good. Yeah. So it was something of a of a pioneer, I suppose, in that. Yeah, way. yeah, yeah, definitely on that side. Yeah. And then he's developed, he's developed a kind of troubleshooting reputation, hasn't he? Coming into clubs that want to avoid relegation. So is that his speciality? And yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely a speciality of his. You know, just to, that's where the man management side comes into it, and he can work with players short term. He can do that sort of job. That's right. why I think he's like an expert. He's done it so many times. That's why. And when you say the man management in that regard, are you talking about are you talking about arms around players? Are you talking about developing one-on-one relationships with players, or is it is it getting that team ethos together to all fight for each other? I think it's a team ethos, um, and on certain players, he can get his arm. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's the team ethos. Yeah, having a, having a structure, you know, and sticking to that structure to get the right results. And I think he's he's done that. Yeah. Most of these clubs are after Bolton, so that's what he targets. And he's been, you know, very successful at, at various clubs, but then yeah. certain other clubs which are supposed to keep on and do better and have got bigger ambitions, like your Newcastle's or Everton's, he's maybe found a little bit wanting. Mm. Why, why did you end up turning down a contract yeah. extension then? Because you could have stayed at Bolton. Uh, Bolton. Yeah, you could have stayed at Bolton. Yeah, there was, there was a chance to stay. I mean, family were down south. So it was just a case where you just wanted to to find a team down south. I mean, you ended up, no disrespect to Gillingham, you know, dropping quite quite a bit in levels there. Is there a, yeah. were there any other options to stay yeah. at a higher level? Um, no, apart from Bolton uh, having chats. Um, no, uh, Gillingham were the only ones that at that time were looking. So that's why I went there, and they were down south. So. So how do you how do you look back on your time there? It would have would have been very different to what you'd been used to for the previous sort of ten fifteen years. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, training facilities were bog standard. I mean, they weren't they weren't brilliant. Obviously, Gillingham didn't have a don't have no money or anything. So, training facilities were always a bit iffy. Even at even at the stadium, the stadium was down down at a couple of levels to what I was used to. Obviously, um, but. I had a good, I had a good time there. In my first season, it weren't too bad. The boys there was was were fine. Tommy Johnson was there. Yeah, Nicky Southall. Who, was there? who else was there? Who I was with at Bolton. Nicky Southall was there. Um, Marlon King. Oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah. He, he was a um, bit of a rebel, but he could finish. He could finish. So why did you end up yeah. retiring then? Just before I finished that at Gillingham, my my father died. So. Yeah, it was just uh, you know, and in that season, in that last season that I had, I was picking up a few injuries as well. So, and that was that was basically uh, me just saying now, nah, but I've, I've had enough now. And did you, did you yeah. want to play in the game when you finished playing? Did you want to take your badges and get into coaching? Yeah, I took I took my badges, but that that kind of fizzled out. I mean, I went to um, I went to Fulham, you know, just to get some experience coaching wise. But I didn't really feel like there was any real connection with with Fulham. 
um, and it kind of just fizzled out and I just like looked after um, my son's team at the time uh, and then it just fell apart then after that because my son lost interest in football and you know, he didn't want to play it so I just so left the coaching from that point. You got involved with a bit of non-league football didn't you? Was it down at Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was yeah. was that enjoyable down at non grassroots? Um, yeah, it was fine. It was fine at the time. It was it was properly relaxed, and I could do whatever I wanted there. But it just it didn't really excite me that much. Right. Okay. It, go, it, it didn't seem like it was going to go anywhere. Right. I'm with you. I'm with you. So, yeah. what, what about football and the game in general at the moment? Do you do you keep abreast of it? Are you one of these ex players who's always watching games still madly in love with it, or are you a little bit distanced from it now? Uh, a bit distance, but I do like watching games. Hmm. I do like watching games. As I said, um, I don't go to I don't go to games, but on TV I watch it. Obviously, with the Leeds game that we went to, that's fine. But that's once in a while yeah. you know, to go and watch games. Uh, but I do watch it on TV. I watch it. I'll be watching it later tonight. And when you're talking about watching games, obviously you're referring to the Scottish Premier Division. The season's only just restarted both Glasgow teams winning their opening games but I suppose the big question is Rod can Rangers stop Celtics 10 in a row well you'd like to think so um it's, it's, it's vital I mean Rangers were out, the, out of the uh, division for for a few years anyway but um I mean they're, they're back on the up now mm. so basically they just have to make sure that they try their best to you know stop this uh, this run that's been going on for like almost 10 years yeah I mean, I think they are pretty much up against it. But the season before you joined Rangers, of course, Celtic were up against it. They were in a very similar situation. And Wim Janssen kind of led them to the title very much against the odds. Rangers are massively up against it. But do you think Steven Gerrard can do the business here and really inspire his boys, even though he's very young in terms of his managerial experience? I don't see, I don't see why not. I mean, um, we've... We've always had to deal with while he's while he's been up there in his first uh, season. He's uh, he's been he's been brilliant for him. I mean, he's he's picked him up, and hopefully with the right players in, he he could go for the title this season. I mean, it's, it's it wasn't always going to happen in, in one season. So you're looking at maybe two or three seasons down the line where he can um, he can pick up some trophies, you know, and and hopefully the um, the league title. Yeah, I suppose it's a case of trying to get a little bit of consistency because. This is a side that can go and beat Porto and Braga and Michelin, the Danish champions, and Legia Warsaw, the Polish champions, but they can't beat some of the also-rans of the Scottish Premier Division at times. And I think that's uh, going to be the big problem for them moving forward. But there's been a lot of talk on you know, radio stations like TalkSport recently about how big Rangers is as a football club. I think Jamie O'Hara, the former Tottenham player, said that getting the Bournemouth job would be a bigger stage for, for Steven Gerrard. Where do you stand on this? How big is the club? Oh, they're massive. <laughs> I don't know where uh, this uh, O'Hare is going with, <laughs> with that comment, but um, Bournemouth just got relegate, relegated, so <laughs> I don't know if it's going to be bigger than Rangers. Our oh, Rangers are, are massive. Um, Selwood are massive. You know, you, you, can't, you can't beat those um, teams as in uh, support or what they've done in, in the past. You can't beat those teams, so I totally disagree with that. I mean, this is a club that sold 30,000 of their new away jerseys on the opening weekend of release. I, I can't think of any other British team 
who would get that outside of Celtic and Rangers. It just seems to be something a little bit different up there. Mm, they've got great support up there. Um, their support is, you know, is near enough fanatical. You know? <laughs> it's just, you can't beat them. Um, so for the 30,000 on search shirt sales is, is not a surprise to me. Yeah. I've got to mention social media to you because I did text you the other day. I actually thought I was following you on Twitter, didn't I, Rod? Uh, but unfortunately, it turns out to be a complete imposter. Oh I mean, it really, it really is a strange world, isn't it? Now, I had this before when I was in Singapore presenting the football. Mm. Someone set up an account in my name using my identical profile, including the picture and including all the words underneath it, and was posting as me. And it took Twitter a month to take that down. I've, I've complained to Twitter twice on your behalf already. Yeah. But they're, they're still not doing anything. So let me find out what this fella's called. He's called Rod Prod 16. So if anyone from Twitter is listening, can you please take him off? Yeah. Twitter? Because it is not. It's not me. It's not Rod Wallace. <laughs> yeah, that's frightening. Right? Yeah, just like taking, taking certain things of your identity and just like using it as their own. No, it's, it's not good. Um, I mean, I've asked people like to take it off as a lot, along with you. Um, and hopefully it will come up at some point. But what you're saying is just like scandalous. Yeah. It's nothing to do with me. Yeah. And, he, you know, he's saying some quite yeah. controversial comments about some of your ex-teammates. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, what is that? I was just like, I was in total shock when I saw it. It was the first time ever. Because, I don't, as I said, I don't use Twitter. I might have to um, just sort out an account, just say so it's, it's official on mine. But... Uh, no, I don't use it, so it was a total shock to me. Yeah, set up an account, get your blue tick, because that is you being verified by Twitter, and then and then I'm you can send to see the numbers on that. Now, it's the amount of numbers you have to get on that. Now. Well, that's it, but you can then <laughs> at least make an apology to Ali McCoy after what Rod Prod sixteen that idiot was saying about him. So, absolute joke. Yeah. So, are you on Instagram or anything like that, or is it not? Yeah, your I'm one? on Instagram. Yeah, yeah, I'm on Instagram. I got my official one on there just for football and stuff. Yeah, so, um, so I put some of my old memorabilia on there, all the pictures, and yeah, it's been it's been quite good actually. No, I did one post about five years ago, and then I've literally not done anything since. But I, <laughs> I ought to, I ought to really. But you mentioned some of your old memorabilia there. I was going yeah. to ask how your how your brother Danny were getting on. I know he's had such a hard battle with MS, but yeah, he did a video the other day telling the story behind his 1990 FA Cup final shirt. Yeah. So, yeah. so is he getting on all right? Yeah, I mean, he's, he's had to deal with it for the last, what is it? it must be 20 odd years now um, since he was diagnosed with it. Um, I, I don't think it's going to get any better, but he's had to deal with it in his way. Uh, and he, he seems chirpy enough, you know. He's, I don't think he ever tries to, let, I don't think it ever gets him down. Obviously, he has his dark moments, but I don't, whenever I see him, he's always chirpy enough, you know. Mm. Um but it's, it's affected his walking and um, he's had a few falls and stuff. So um, he, he gets on with it. I mean, his family have been brilliant. They, they look after him really well. So uh, hopefully I'll, I'll be up um, up in the Midlands soon just to see him because I've got a wedding to go to. Right, okay. Mm. Yeah. I remember him doing the London Marathon years ago. That was yeah. amazing. Yeah, it was. Yeah, that was a that was a great um, that was a great day for him and our whole family, really. Because um, no one was expecting him to to finish it, but he did. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was great, mate. Great yeah. achievement. Oh, without a shadow of a doubt, I think it was mm. six days, and I think Michael Watson was there at the end, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. 
he obviously was, had his yeah. own battle and he completed the London Marathon, I think, in a similar amount of time. But what yeah. was it like then in your household growing up with you, Danny and Ray? It must have been absolute mayhem, wasn't it? Uh, oh, yeah, no, it was, it was great. I mean, from, from what I remember, he was, he was out um, doing his football thing at, at around about 14. Uh, so he was basically near enough a, a schoolboy um, uh, with Southampton at the time, I would have thought. He, he near enough left at 16 to go to um, Diggs as an apprentice at Southampton. So what was it like growing up with a twin brother? And do you still, is it true that you all read each other's minds or is that a bit of a myth? Finishing each other's sentences and all that? Yeah, uh, not, not with us two. It might happen with other people, yeah, but not with us two. We're not identical, but we, uh, whenever we're back together, we're always quite close anyway. I mean, um, we never had any real big arguments or anything like that. Uh, we used to, I think my mum and dad used to dress us the same up until about six or seven, near enough. Um, and we always used to, we always used to have little arguments football-wise when we used to play in our little flat uh, in Deptford. Uh, we used to have a little landing in our flat. We always used to have a football down, you know, to the the doors with the goals. I used to always win mine, but yeah, it's just because Raymond was the defender, as you know. But yeah, I always used to win. Um, we had little arguments on that, but the old man would uh, usually uh, uh, step in between us or whatever at the time. But then after that, it was fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was cool. Uh, it must have been handy having a twin brother as a defender so you can try and beat him on the one-on-one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was unbelievable. Yeah. Especially when it was like schoolboys as well, because like, when we was a schoolboys, as he was a defender, we used to do our little bit of training and whatnot. Um, yeah, it was always good to go past him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, <laughs> but did you play in teams together? Obviously, we mentioned the Sheffield Wednesday game when you were at Southampton, but when, yeah. you're in, when you were junior players, you must have played in teams together. Yeah, yeah. I mean, our youth team was was quite a good youth team at Southampton, um, and in we used to play in the Southeast Counties Cup um, League, sorry. Uh, and we usually finished up with winners of that league when we was there, and then then we played um, in the first team. Yeah, I read that Ray was keener than you initially, <coughs> but when him and Danny were doing well, it suddenly kind of piqued your interest. Is that about right? I, I weren't really fussed up until 14, but once I, um, I turned schoolboy, then that kind of made up my mind because, you know, that gave me a bit of direction. So uh, from that point, I, I was just focused on trying to do the best that I could. And then, obviously, you spent a few years together. Um, Danny moved on, but you and Ray stayed together. And not that many people know that you actually joined Leeds together, didn't you? He came uh, for 100 grand, and I think you were 1.6 million, and... Yeah. That must have been really special to go up there together. I, I take it it wasn't something that you kind of tried to, not insist upon, but alluded to. It, it, it was Ray being spotted in his own right as being a, a kind of useful defender to add to that lead squad. Yeah, well, well I didn't know at first um, because obviously I knew, I knew um, these were interested. Uh, and then it was a surprise that they, uh, they wanted Raymond as well. I mean... That was it. Was a great bonus because we went up there together. So, uh, but I didn't know. I didn't know that they were interested until later on, um, and the offer came in. Uh, we went to a tribunal for that as well, um, for my fee. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, it was it was it was great that Ray came. I mean, when we was at Southampton, 
uh, Danny was the first million pound sale for Southampton and I was the second. That is a brilliant stat. I'm yeah. going to keep that for the next lockdown and mm. I'll, do a, I'll do a quiz. I'll use that as a quiz question. Brilliant. <laughs> you can look it up. You can look it up at Southampton sales. Sales of players. Yeah. Super. A lot of people know that. And we broke a record for them as well. Unbelievable. Yeah. You've done a lot for that club, you three. Yeah. And we're free. Exactly. Coming through those ranks. Yeah, exactly. They should be thanking you every other day, shouldn't they? <laughs> And just finally then, Rod, um, for any young listeners who may not have seen you in your prime, who's a modern-day player who you can liken yourself to? I wouldn't like to say, mate. I wouldn't like to say. I'd love to know the value. Uh, Um, The value would be quite nice, wouldn't it? Well, if you went for £1.6 million in 1991, I mean, we're talking nearly 30 years. I mean, it's minimum £10 isn't it? You're probably going a fair bit higher than that as well. Yeah. All right. That's yeah. all right. That'll do, that'll do me. That'll do you. Give yourself a <laughs> nice pound back. Uh, Rod, it's been brilliant talking to you. I'm I sure I'll see you very, very soon. All the best. Footballers' Lives was brought to you by the Phoenix Sport and Media Group. www.psm-group.co.uk